her the riddle of the ordinary. Jewish author Cynthia Ozick notes that we have a tendency to divide our lives into two distinct categories, the ordinary and the extraordinary. The extraordinary, she writes, is by definition obvious and Judaism has created appropriate responses to it. So for example, we have special blessings for witnessing lightning, encountering a dwarf and being introduced to a king. But what of the ordinary? Does it pass unnoticed? No, we have a bracha, a blessing for the washing of the hands, another for eating food and many other ordinary events as well. No matter how mundane, every element of our lives presents us with the opportunity to experience holiness. I love how Judaism emphasizes the goal of finding holiness not only in every human being, but also in every act and every experience. But I also appreciate the separation between Kodesh and Chol, sanctified and mundane. Holy days, life cycle events, community celebrations are cherished in holy moments. It is important to hold them up as special. So what do we do when a ritualized moment in our holiday calendar, a time we are used to setting aside as Kodesh, sanctified and holy, is suddenly taken away from us? In other words, how do we deal with the fact that we are being told we should not celebrate Thanksgiving together? It's rough, I know. But now more than ever, we must listen to our health experts and local leadership who are imploring us to keep our gatherings small. And if they extend beyond household members, outside and socially distanced. A COVID vaccine may be on its way, but there will be many months before it is accessible to us all. And we must do our part to keep ourselves and others healthy until that time arrives. So let's think about ways we can create a Thanksgiving celebration that while anything but typical, still fills not only our bellies, but also our souls. Traditional Judaism requires that we say at least 100 blessings each day, which can feel like a lofty goal. But this Thanksgiving, when our table is smaller, the social pressures are removed, and we generally have nothing but time we have an opportunity to practice ways not only to enhance our sense of gratitude, but to share blessings with each other as well. One of the blessings of gathering for a holiday meal is a leisurely quality. Rather than a typical dinner at home, at least in my house, that might last as much as 10, 10 minutes, and if we're lucky, 30 minutes, there is an expectation that on Thanksgiving, we're gonna sit and eat and eat and talk and maybe eat some more. Conversations can be hilarious or nostalgic. They can also sometimes be strained or emotional. But in order for them to be deep and meaningful, we need to come to the table with intention. In his New York Times opinion column today, David Brooks offers thoughtful suggestions about how to do that. I highly recommend that you read his entire piece entitled, Nine non-obvious ways to have deeper conversations, the art of making connection even in a time of dislocation. But I'll highlight two of his suggestions. First, ask open-ended questions. As Brooks writes, many of us have a horrible tendency to ask questions that imply judgment. Where did you go to school? Or we ask yes, no questions. Did you have a good day? 
which basically shut off interesting answers. Better questions start with, what was it like? Or tell me about a time. Or how did you manage to cope while your wedding was postponed for a year? And these conversations don't require us to be sitting at the table together. They don't even require it to be Thanksgiving, but they do require that we care to hear the answers. Whether face-to-face -face or on Zoom or FaceTime, this is much more satisfying. Most of us are reluctant to talk about ourselves, but we still want to be seen, understood, and known. Questions that require more thought and time to answer signal that we are truly interested. Which brings me to another of Brooks's points, treat attention as all or nothing. Of course, we all have divided attention, he writes, but in conversation, it's best to act as if attention had an on-off switch with no dimmer, total focus. Brooks continues, I have a friend who listens to conversations the way congregants listen to sermons in charismatic churches with amends and approbations. The effect is magnetic. I'm personally guilty of dividing my attention all the time. I'm focusing on making breakfast while my daughter is telling me about an assignment. I'm responding to a text while one of my boys is asking me a question, but they need me to look them in the eye and hear what they're saying, just like I need the same from them. When it comes to Thanksgiving, since you won't be with a large group this year, focus on the people that are around you. Engage in one-on-one -on -one conversations, ask questions, and then really listen to the answers. Ask follow-up questions. Take advantage of the time you have together. A second blessing of sitting down for a holiday meal together is, well, the opportunity to say blessings, to give thanks. Many families have different traditions along these lines. For instance, when people, many people go around the table and share what they're thankful for. I read about magazine editor Larry Smith's family tradition where people are asked to tell a story about themselves in only six words, a twist on a challenge that somebody apparently once issued to Ernest Hemingway. He has turned this family tradition into a best-selling book series. So what if we created six-word declarations of gratitude this Thanksgiving? The constraint of the six-word form helps us to get to the essence of what matters most, Smith says, and I can't think of a time when expressing gratitude has been more important. He advises you to go in any direction you want. You can express gratitude for life's big things, cancer-free after five long years, or seasonal joys. Daughter now makes family Thanksgiving feast. Maybe you're thankful for current events. Vaccines are coming. Thank you, science. Or a longer life journey. We all lived through son's teens. I've been working on mine since this morning. It's harder than you think, but ultimately satisfying. I'd love it if you send me yours if you decide to give it a try. Another way to share blessings is to offer blessings. One thing I do not love about Thanksgiving is that because it's a secular holiday, there are no Jewish rituals. Of course, we can say motzi or any of the other blessings for food our tradition provides, but there's nothing official. So if you and your family are open to try it, I invite you to share in a brief ceremony before your Thanksgiving feast. I've adapted a Thanksgiving service published by the American Jewish Committee several years ago, 
and it's posted now on our temple website and will also be included in our Thanksgiving greeting next week. Print out a few copies and share in a brief formal ritual before you enjoy your turkey, stuffing and pie or whatever it is that you enjoy eating for Thanksgiving dinner. This Thanksgiving is like no other we have ever lived through, but it doesn't need to be without family, food, fun or blessings. Of course, we are accustomed to create clear distinctions between what is extraordinary and what is ordinary, but that doesn't mean there isn't holiness to be found in all of our experiences. I think that with some forethought and intention, this Thanksgiving might turn out to be the most extraordinary one you have had yet. May remembering small blessings bring gratitude. Amen. <laughs>